All right, everyone, I'm going to ask that you turn with me to the book of 1 Peter. 1 Peter chapter number 5 and starting in verse number 8. 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 8. What a beautiful song, man. I hope you guys enjoyed that song. Draw me near. We're near to God as we want to be. We're near to God because he wants to draw nigh to God and he will draw nigh to you. What a beautiful song. I hope you, you, you enjoyed that and that that was a blessing to your life as it was to mine. When you get to 1 Peter 5, I'm going to ask that you turn with me or that you stand to your feet with me. 1 Peter chapter 5 and verse number 8. 1 Peter 5, verse number 8, as I get my notes out here. Oh, that's a picture of Kim. Those are not my notes. There we go. 1 Peter 5, verse number 8. The Bible says, Be sober, be vigilant. Because your adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion, walketh about, seeking whom he may devour, whom resist steadfast in the faith, knowing that the same afflictions are accomplished in your brethren that are in the world. But the God of all grace, who hath called us unto his eternal glory by Christ Jesus, after that ye have suffered a while, make you perfect, establish, strengthen, settle you. To him be glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. Let's pray. Father, I thank you so much for this great opportunity to preach your word. I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would please fill me. And I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would do a work in my life as well as in the lives of the hearers. And I pray, God, that you would uh, change us and convict us. I pray this in Christ's name. Amen. You may be seated. In this context surrounding verse number 8, it is specifically addressed to young people. In verse number 5, it says, Likewise, ye younger, submit yourselves unto the elder. This passage is most certainly applicable to you and to me specifically because it's being written to those that are the younger in the church which would definitely be you and me. And I want us to just very quickly look at three truths from, verse, uh, from, the, from our text this morning. And the first one is there in verse number 8. Read with me. It says, Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary the devil, as a roaring lion, walketh about, seeking whom he may devour. Truth number one is Satan wants to devour you. And sometimes we forget that. Satan wants to destroy you. He wants to destroy your study time here. He wants to destroy your marriage. He wants to destroy your life. He wants to destroy your ministry. Satan, do you understand that we, as, as, as young people that want to serve God in ministry, we have a target on our backs, and sometimes we're so full of ourselves that we don't even recognize it. Truth number one is Satan wants to destroy your life. So the question very quickly is, is there anything in my life, is there anything in your life that you are allowing an open door for Satan to get a hold of? What do we have in our lives that is an open door for Satan to get a hold of? Truth number two, there in verse nine, the Bible says, whom resist steadfast in the faith, knowing that the same afflictions are accomplished in your brethren that are in the world. The truth, truth number two that, that I want to show us is you are not alone. You are not alone. Look at verse 9 at the end. It says, knowing that the same afflictions are accomplished in your brethren. 
There is nothing that you are going through that I'm going through that is not that is unique to other Christians around the globe. And what we need to understand is that God, the same, the same God that is getting those Christians through their trials can also get you through your trial. The same God that promises victories to, to somebody being devoured by Satan promise us, us victory. So number one, we see Satan wants to devour you. Two, you are not alone. And three, our hope is in the grace of God. Verse 10 says, but the God of all grace. In other words, now that we know, hey, Satan wants to devour us. Hey, there's other Christians that Satan wants to devour. We're all in this together. We all have the same savior. Now what? But the God of all grace, who hath called us unto his eternal glory by Christ Jesus, after that ye have suffered a while, make you perfect, establish, strengthen, settle you. Our only hope, as we recognize that Satan wants to destroy us, our only hope is the grace of God. My question to you is, what are you doing on a daily basis to get the grace and strength and, and enabling strength of God in your life. You see, it's not even so much how, much how much Bible reading and how much prayer you do. It's do you have a consistent walk with God because that is where our strength comes from. And as we recognize that Satan wants to destroy us, Jesus says, without me, ye can do nothing. Ye can do nothing. And may we recognize that as Satan is, is, has a target on our backs, that we walk with God and get his grace on a daily basis as we read and as we grow and as we walk with God. But the God of all grace. Uh, first off, I just want to thank um, Brother Reggie just for the opportunity to preach here. And to be honest, guys, I, I know I'm not worthy to be up here, but um, I just really feel that like God's burning my heart just so much for just his campus. And, with just this short time that I have, I just ask that you give me your undivided attention and we'll open up our text with the book of John chapter 16, verse 33. John chapter 16, verse 33. And for the sake of time, I'll begin reading. But the Bible says in John chapter 16, verse 33, these things I have spoken unto you, that in me ye might have peace. In the world ye shall have tribulation, but be of good cheer, for I have overcome the world. Everybody is looking for a source of happiness. I feel like everybody nowadays is looking for a source of joy in their life, just to have that state of mind, that desire to have peace. What is your source of peace? What do you determine to be peace? And if there is such a true thing as peace, how can we attain it? Today I want to look at two basic steps to achieving true peace. And number one I want you to see simply here is knowing our God. The Bible says in 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 12, For the which cause I also suffer these things. Nevertheless, I am not ashamed. For I know whom I have believed in, and persuaded that he is able to keep that which I have committed unto him against that day. Do you know the God that you serve? Do you know your God? We're so quick to talk about God every single day, but I want to ask you on a personal level, how much do you know him? 
And I think about so many times we have so many misconceptions as to what peace means. We think peace, we can just sit back and relax. We think, oh, we can just uh, take time off and just relax and probably put on a TV show and just sit back and not have a single care in the world. But that's not what peace is. Let me remind you that we all know in the Christian life, we're going to go through hard times. Let me also tell you there is a difference between peace and being complacent. The Christian life isn't an easy life. And here we see in the verse it says that we have that certainty. In the world ye shall have tribulation, but be of good cheer, for God has overcome the world. Guys, don't look at the circumstance. Look at God. I think about all the men in the Bible. I, I think about Paul and Silas being locked up in prison. How are they still able to sing and have a great spirit? How was Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego all the way up until uh, the burning fiery furnace? They were so bold to say that we will not serve the gods that King Nebuchadnezzar had set up. I think about how Stephen was able to preach and still have that boldness and even to the point of being stoned to death, looking up to God and saying, God, lay not this sin upon their charge. They knew the God that they serve. And we have that same access to that God. But my question is, do we know him? Peace is not the absence of danger, but the presence of God. Do you know God? And what better way to know our God than lastly, number two, walking with our God. Guys, you won't get to know the God that you serve if you don't walk with him. The Bible says in Romans chapter 5, verse 1, therefore being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. The peace of God is the result of knowing that you are at peace with God. How much do we truly walk with him? How, how bold are we to say, oh, I walk with God. Yet so many times we spend so much time looking at other things. We're spending so much time on our phones rather than God's word. We're spending so much time with all those crowds that we have. Sometimes even cases, not even the best crowd in our life. Yet we don't spend enough time in prayer. How much do we truly walk with the God that we say we know? Do we have that peace and guys, the audacity we have to, to, to still say, God, I, I, where are you, Lord? Why aren't you answering my prayers? And God's like, you're not spending time with me. I can show you the answer to those trials. I can fill those gaps in your heart. I can give you that peace. But you don't walk with me. How much do we walk with our Lord? You may be thinking, oh, J.B., you must be so spiritual, huh? Oh, JB, you, you must know everything at this point, huh, since you have all the answers. Honestly, I don't. I struggle every day just as much as anyone here. But because of those struggles in my life, I know how much I need God. I know how much we all need God. Do you have that peace? Guys, let's do something for God. We must remain faithful. Let's, go, let's get to know God today. Let's get to know God this summer. Let's get that peace in our hearts, and let's walk with him. And with that, can we only attain true peace? So what is true peace? One word, Jesus. All right. Good morning, everyone. I think it's on good. Um, if you would turn your Bibles open to 1 Corinthians 15. 1 Corinthians 15. Today I'm going to speak on the topic of remaining steadfast. I think most of us, if not all of us, already have an understanding of what steadfast means. The definition I found for it is resolutely or dutifully firm and unwavering. 
I think we would all agree with this definition. Uh, being steadfast means that you're firm or maybe loyal in a purpose or resolution. As Christians, we should be firm and unwavering in following God. Right now we have summer break coming up, and I'm sure you're all excited for that. I know I am. Uh, I know a lot of you are doing uh, different internships, different tour groups. Some of you are just going home for the break. I know you seniors are finally getting your long-awaited degrees, and you know, you're ready to get into your ministry. And that's great. We all have something to look forward to this summer break. But I encourage you, as we go into this summer break, don't forget to remain steadfast to God. Today we're going to look at a few different areas that we should remain steadfast in. The first one we're going to look at is remaining steadfast in our ministry. For those of you who turn to 1 Corinthians 15, we're going to start in verse 58. Verse 58. It says, Therefore, my beloved brethren, be steadfast, unmovable, and always abounding in the work of the Lord, for as much as ye know that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. Like I said earlier, there's a lot to look forward to this summer. Uh, it's a great time to relax and get your mind off of school, and that's great. But we need to be careful that we don't swap our ministry for a time of relaxation. As, as some of you go into your internships, I encourage you to remain faithful. I'm sure that you'll have some weeks where you'll be super tired, super drained, and maybe you don't even feel like continuing. But remember, you're not doing it for yourself. The verse says that uh, your labor is not in vain in the Lord. If you do your labor in the Lord, God will bless you. For those of you that aren't doing an internship, still remain faithful in ministry. I know it's easy to just go to church a few times a week whenever there's a service or maybe when there's an activity. But God wants you to serve and labor for him. The next area we're going to look at is remaining steadfast in our outreach. Matthew 28, 19 through 20 says, Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even until the end of the world. Amen. I'm sure we're all familiar with this passage. Uh, we're at West Coast, so we probably hear it every week at least. But I can't think of a more obvious and direct command for outreach. During semester, it's easy to be consistent with outreach, right? The college gives us specific times each week for us to go out. Uh, we get a rally before we go out, and we get demerits if we don't get out. So it's pretty easy to find time for it during the semester. But over summer break, when it's just up to you, are you gonna find time in your schedule to go out? Um, when someone's not forcing you to go out, and when it's just between you and God, will you remain steadfast in your outreach. The last area we're going to look at today is remaining steadfast in our personal walk with God. In James 4, 7 through 8, it says, submit, your, submit yourselves therefore to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Draw nigh to God and he will draw nigh to you. Cleanse your hands, ye sinners, and purify your hearts, ye double-minded. Of the three areas we're looking at today, I personally believe that this is the most important one, right? Um, if we have a relationship with God and we stay steadfast in that, the other areas will just come naturally. If we're drawing nigh to God, then we'll have a heart to follow him. We'll have a heart to follow his commandments. 
And unlike the other areas, this one is fully internal and personal. It's just between you and God. It's not between anyone else. I encourage you to continue developing a relationship with God over this break. We don't need chapel services every day to get into the Word and deepen our relationship with Him. Be consistent with your devotions and be consistent in growing closer to God. Today we looked at a few different areas that we should remain steadfast in. Most of this stuff isn't new to us, but that doesn't make it any less important. Summer break is a break from school, from papers, from dorm duties, uh, from discussion posts, and from Turabian formatting. Amen, I know, but, but summer break is a break from all this school stuff, but it's not a break from the things of God. By, by God's mercy, I pray that we all come back from summer with incredible stories and experiences that were only possible because we remained steadfast to God. All right, guys, can you turn your Bible to Matthew chapter 11, and we'll be reading verses 28 to 29, and I'll be uh, focusing on uh, verse 28. But the Word of God says this, Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you, and learn of me, for I am meek and lonely in heart, and ye shall find rest unto your souls. Just a little context, Jesus in this chapter starts pronouncing judgment on three cities, Chorazon, Bethsaida, and Capernaum, because of the many works that Jesus Christ has done in these cities, and yet they still were in unbelief. They still rejected him as the Messiah, the Christ. But in the, midst of this in the midst of this unbelief, he gives an invitation. In the midst of the greatest sin of unbelief, Jesus still invites others to believe. And the outcome of coming to him is rest in him. Even though this uh, verse is dealing with salvation, I believe this still can be applied to the Christian life. And what is rest? The main definition I find is refreshed, as if we've been wandering in the desert for a long, long time, and then we see maybe a, a rock, and all of a sudden, a cold glass of water appears under that rock, and we run to that rock, and we go under that shadow of that rock, and then we drink that cup, and it quenches the thirst that we have. We can be quenched within our souls in the rest that we can have in Christ. And today I just want to give you three truths about dwelling in His rest. First, we see the commandment. Matthew 11, verse 28, come unto me. I believe sometimes we can read this verse in a wrong way. We can read it something like this. Hey, come unto me. Come unto me. But in the definition that I see... This is not a soft-spoken word. Jesus says, come unto me. He did it with great urgency. Something like this, come, come unto me now. This verse is not to be treated as if you want to come, or it's okay if you don't come, but it's a straight command from the Lord Jesus Christ to come. So it's a command that we should have rest. Sometimes this verse we just look through it and pass over it. 
But this is a command that we have from the Lord Jesus Christ. As if there is a kid, you know, in the street and a truck is coming and his parents are saying, come, come unto me now. That's how Christ pronounces this verse. Secondly, I want you to see he calls to all who labor and are heavy laden. But I believe he talks about what Isaiah says about labor in Isaiah chapter 55, verses 1 through 2. Ho, everyone that thirsteth, come ye to the waters. And he that hath no money, come ye, buy and eat. Ye come, buy wine and milk without money and without price. Where do ye spend money for that which is not bread, and your labor for that which satisfieth not? Hearken diligently unto me, and eat ye that which is good, and let your souls delight itself in fatness. You know, we can labor and get nothing out of it. I see right here in Isaiah 55, and your labor for that which satisfieth not. We can labor on our phones, going on Instagram, and scrolling down and up and down, and not find any satisfaction. We can labor even in a dead religious way, not being motivated by the love of Christ, but being motivated by self-righteousness or even trying to gain the favor of God as if, we can, as if we can gain that or even earn the love of God as if we can earn this love. But it's already been paid for. We labor like Martha many times when we should be sitting at the feet of Jesus like Mary. This is when the heavy laden comes in. The Christian life becomes burdensome and our fellowship with God is not the same. When we do not see the love of Christ. That's why Paul said in Ephesians chapter 3, verse 17, Paul prays that they be rooted and grounded in love. Because that is the motor that drives the Christian life. You see, you can read your Bible, you can pray, you can do all these things, but if it is not motivated by the love of Christ, it's going to get burdensome, it's going to get weary, but it needs to be driven by the love of God. Thirdly, I want you to see the rest in Christ. I will give you rest. Rest in him because he was restless when he went to the cross and he labored and he carried our burdens there. Rest in him because he was nailed on the cross. Rest in him because he promises a peace that surpasses all understanding that this world can never bring you. We can try to find rest in so many ways, but if we don't find it in Christ, then that's not really true rest. We must rest in him. You see, in order to be vigilant, in order to have peace, in order to be steadfast, you must have rest in Christ and rest in His love. Rest in Him because He truly satisfies your soul. Now, the conclusion, we see the commandment. Secondly, we see the description of the person He's talking to. And thirdly, we see the promise. When we depend on Christ alone, to drive us in the Christian life. We will be steadfast, we will have peace, we will be diligent, and we will labor in Him.
Let's remember to rest in Christ, not starting in our summer, but starting now and being driven by that.